0: The red flag flag here. Hello, pop pickers, for another countdown of the top 20 stories in the political. Well, not all 20, but the number of political stories in the news this week, as chosen by our pollsters. Well done. Um, we've got the, the usual team with the exception that Stuart's at conference. And so we're joined today by the inimitable Cat Cray. Hiya, Cat! Good evening, John. How are you? I'm absolutely fine, but all the better for seeing you. Um, I'll just say to our listeners that um, you do not need to agree with what we say. What we promise to do is to come on and say things which might get you thinking, things which hopefully make sense. But um, at the end of the day, you can just say, you don't agree with us. Um, what is lovely about Kat and why I just love having her on the programme, she's becoming quite a regular, quite frankly, is that she, she speaks her mind and she's doesn't back off when somebody says i think you're wrong um that's what we need um uh, sort of and if you disagree with me or you disagree with her or any of us well it was an interesting thought wasn't it and um sort of but i don't agree that's that's the way to deal with it um so it's lovely to see you all um i think we'll go straight because we've got a really packed uh agenda today let's go straight
1: of the week well uh i'll spell out the obvious the the energy crisis um that has been uh know uh, this is m- your
0: topic when we come to the big decision big, big discussion isn't it
1: okay so we're
0: not going straight into the discussions uh sort of I'll, I'll take the others and then what the moment of the week is listeners is it's where um, our our panel um talk about um something that's appealed to them something that's uh sort of caught their interest um and something which we're not going to be talking about later and uh, it was much <laughs> unfair of me to wrong foot cat her very first words and i'm i'm there contradicting it and oh, back on paul moment of the week
2: um i'm going for the audio riot so um disabled people against the cuts have been running something just hashtag audio riot on twitter um, what they've been doing is they've been making a lot of noise and a lot of fuss about how badly disabled people have been treated. Uh, disabled people against the cuts are such a positive action group. They go out and they do things, and they really do hold the government to account in a way that I don't think we're particularly seeing from a lot of groups. That you know you've got other groups who are doing that, but they are having to go out and they you know watch our specials with Deepak. We've got a couple of them um they were absolutely brilliant we love them to death so um yeah uh, that was that's my moment of the week have a look for that hashtag audio riot
0: paul is the most humble and self-effacing man you would ever wish to meet that would not have been my moment of the week <laughs> how lovely of you i presume you're going to bring up the moment of your week um when we talk about conference are you just um, yes or no will do.
2: I think I think Laura will be probably doing what you think would be my moment of the week. Yeah, uh, right to yeah.
0: Okay, we'll go. Well, yes, Laura, is this your moment of the week? Yes, of
3: course. (laughs) (laughs) My moment of the week was Socialist Think Tank going on tour and um, we went to uh, the World Transformed, which is the fringe event for the Labour Party conference. And we did a session, one of our Socialist Night Live episodes there on Saturday. And we had Sasha, Josette and Jeremy Corbyn as our guests. And it was just brilliant. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Absolutely worth the drive. Um, We got some brilliant feedback yeah it was class really really loved it so um thank you to everybody who got involved with that thank you to the world transform for having us um it was just fantastic all around it was sort of like I think all the good debates and all the positivity has been saved for the world transform this year rather than actually the conference floor but I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later
0: I saw um, uh, social media chatter saying that um, socialist think tank have got to go back to the world transformed every year. There, there's sort of, there was a lot of positive comment. Well done. I mean, how exciting to be talking to the man himself. Now, um, just this is the, the moment of the week and here we are discussing it. Uh, and it's more about conference than the moment of the week, but um, I can't resist it. I saw a little thing from uh, Corbyn today, uh, sort of saying, you know, this is the moment when we need um, uh, radical thinking. Um, And he finished off with a really um, sort of enigmatic kind of thing, which says, um, and and if the Labour Party won't do it, we'll have to do it. And I thought, whoo, that's the first time I've heard him uh, adopt that kind of tone in his, that, that was a departure for him. I mean, did you get anything of that kind of feel when you talked to him, or was he sort of um, his normal, very, very discreet self?
3: uh, well no I mean we've had an exclusive on this show before though haven't we last time we had Jeremy on he said that he would happily stand for leader again if we wanted him to so (laughs) we milked that (laughs) one Um, but no I think he's really keen on organising outside of the Labour Party as well as within it his peace and justice project is is doing amazing things Um, I think he's really focused on that Um, realising that the Labour Party is quite divisive at the minute um, and that um, you don't need to be within the Labour Party to make a difference um the whole message for certainly I was sure that the world transformed was about normal people just getting involved in their communities and making a huge difference that way um so I think that's probably what he was alluding to rather I don't think there's any new parties on the horizon much to many people's dismay I think there a, um
2: that, there was a little bit of disappointment in Westminster in general wasn't there there was there was like you know yeah, that's Maybe we shouldn't be uh, putting so much time and effort into arguing within the Labour Party and arguing within Westminster politics, because there are bigger things going on, there are better things going on. And maybe maybe Westminster isn't the solution. We've been getting at that for a while, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was clear, came clear through statement. Thank you so much, you two. How exciting. What wonderful moments of the week. Um, Sam! Have sort of um, have, there's some unfinished business uh, about moments uh, your moments of the week are they about the the, um, the Durham County Council meeting that, that we sort of finished off talking about last week anyway what's your moment of the week
4: <laughs> yeah I'm not sure I'm not going to talk about the the cabinet stuff of Durham County Council but I am going to say that um one of the reasons that I got in politics was to speak up for Um, neurodiverse people specifically because of my my children (laughs) who are uh, victimized and neglected by the society that we are in repeatedly Um, and I finally got my opportunity to do that in county hall yesterday and it felt really good and um, I'm going to follow that I know who the guy is now I know who the leader of send strategy is at Durham County Council I am going to ensure that he has the benefit of my experience
0: <laughs> that's the moment of the week is it yeah i must feel sorry for him thank you sam for that <laughs> and uh, so finally um Kat, i am so sorry i apologize it's all good
1: i've had three people to think of what i'm gonna say that's so okay.
0: <laughs> i'm, I'm <laughs> three a, people prepared Three great uh, moments yeah. of the week stolen from you what was it what's been your personal moment of the week
1: I think for me seeing the dialogue following the murder of Sabina Nessa so you know from what we went through with Sarah Everard to a woman doing a thing lots of women do which is walk through a park when it's daylight to meet a friend um I, I I'm not blessing the media necessarily for their coverage but the dialogue that I've had with with uh, members of my union with my friends and and the things that I've seen uh, in independent media that that are having the conversations that that have not been possible to have for the reasons of misogyny and, and patriarchy. So, you know, there's no, let's all go walk out. Don't go out when it's dark. Don't go out when it's this. Everything that happened with Sabina uh, are normal things women do every day. And I think that the dialogue that, and I hope it will continue has, has happened since then brings that home um, and, and long may it continue. I mean, I
0: heard the lady from um, a society which is against rape. And she spoke really well on this. And she, her point, she, the, the person said, can the interviewer said, can we really do anything to stop this kind of random killing? And what she says is these things don't happen in a the vacuum. They've always built up and they start with uh, children being allowed to treat uh, women uh, badly and then with flashers and uh, stalkers. And it works through to rape and murder and sort of uh, and we're doing nothing about those early stages at okay. all. We're just turning a blind eye to them. And we need to start doing much more about the the, 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 the beginnings of that behaviour. And, and instead of just um, uh, being heartbroken when somebody gets killed, that's the way to do it. I thought, good on you, what a really great statement. Uh, and voyeurism well, as a
1: crime has gone up. Um, during the pandemic. I know it has on public transport. If you can look at the annual BTP statistics, all the crimes have largely gone down. But voyeurism uh, as a sexual crime has gone up, you know. So we've got some concerning things we need to be thinking and talking about now.
0: Yeah, we do. We do. Thank you very much for bringing that up. So very important and so very tragic. Right, um, Paul.
1: Now it's time for the...
3: Big
0: story. Uh, we are going to spend some time on this, um, and uh, Laura Key is going to kick us off. I'm, I'm going to start in the weirdest way, Laura. I'm just going to say, "Tell us what you want to tell us," and and th- then um, I might pitch in with some questions later.
3: Uh, okay, so I guess the big story is uh, Keir Starmer's Labour Party conference. Um, oh, what to say? Um, I think. Um, uh, I haven't been to the last sort of couple, obviously, I'm not there now. Um, and it feels like the reports I'm getting this year's is sort of a bit more fractious, a bit more split, um, a bit less positive. Um, I think um, there is a lot of anger around the fact that Keir Starmer, rather than choosing to talk about things that were really, really important to. Members of the public and members of the party, um, was focus on an electoral college system that was like the big story for the first day of uh, of conference. Whereby, um, essentially what we wanted to do was double the amount of MPs, um, backing you would need if you wanted to stand for leader. So, um, I think it was ten percent of MPs needed to say yes, you've got my backing before you could get on a ballot. Now it's twenty. Um, and the argument there is that um. If that happened this time, the only person on the ballot would have been Keir Starmer. Now, I don't necessarily think this is something for Keir Starmer's future, but I do think it is something for um, white men. <laughs> uh, and certainly the right of the party It really does lend itself to the, the PLP is quite right at the minute. Um, you know, we wouldn't have had any um, BAME people who were um, on any ballot. Um, there'd be very, very few women, I think maybe one woman on the ballot so far. So it, th- there were questions around that and, and why we were focusing on on doing that. And, and again, it's just another, it seemed like it was another attack on the democracy of the running of the party, taking more um, responsibility away from members, which is in stark contrast to the way it had been, with the previous leadership, which was all about membership. So there's there's been a lot of friction there. Um also um there's been there's been this thing come up um about um nationalization as well. Um Kia has has once again gone back on one of his pledges where he said you know we w- would like to nationalise um rail water all you know the things that you would assume a Labour Party would wanted to nationalise and now he's talking about common ownership but he won't um, commit to nationalisation. What he's saying is he'll be pragmatic Um, and this is clearly a term that has been used and pre-prepared because um Rachel Reeves um in a lot of her interviews is using the term we need to be pra- pragmatic now is not the time to be discussing nationalizing these services where the argument is actually this is exactly the time to be nationalizing these services we're in a crisis um you know we're going to be talking about the the gas and energy crisis um later in the show these things need to be discussed now we need to prove what as a labor party we would do um to, to save the systems that are that are clearly failing um under private ownership. Um, so that was another big thing. Um, the other thing that's come out of um the sort of uh, aside from the conference, um Keir Starmer released a pamphlet. Um, there's a question of how many words it was. It started at 14,000 words. Now it's maybe 11,000 words, um, which he delivered to the Fabian Society. Um, just detailing, I guess, his vision, his what, the, how he sees himself, what he wants to achieve without actually putting any meat on the bones of how he wants to achieve the things he wants to achieve. Um, I haven't read it. I'll put my hands up and say that I don't fancy reading 11,000 words of Keith Starmer talking about himself um, um there are far more important things for me to read um or just watch telly <laughs> I'd rather watch Strictly you know um uh, again it's it really seemed to me to be from the reports I'm hearing and I've, I've sort of dipped in a little bits of it I've seen the Cliff notes at the end, shall we say, um, of his 10 pledges of what he wants to, um, his whole leadership will be based around. It's very woolly. Um, Nothing is radical. There's nothing very left. There's nothing very what I would consider laborism in there. Um, It's very neoliberal um clearly again we are moving back to those times um as if we needed any more proof um and it seems to me that he is putting all of his energies into focusing on winning over big businesses winning over corporations winning over their one percent rather than um trying to engage the wider membership or the wider electorate for that matter um so i mean but he seems really proud of himself for that like literally the the right of the the party are all you know slapping themselves on the back saying yeah we're doing a great job um so well done to kia for achieving all of his goals unfortunately i don't think they're going to offer the labour party as a whole any sort of credit or any wins in the future because we're playing the tories game and they've already won that game so um it's all it's all a little bit depressing, isn't it? But but they're, they're, as I was saying earlier, the, the World Transformed have been putting on some amazing fringe events. Um, as we speak, this socialist campaign group rally is on, and I've been watching a bit of it. And honestly, it's just, they're really not pulling any punches. So I managed to catch Zara Sultana and Richard Bergen um, and uh, John McDonnell just before Jeremy came on. And they're not pulling any punches. They're very, very happily going, we don't agree with what Keir Starmer's is doing to this party. We need to fight against it. We need to get back our radical um, policies and the changes we want to see. Um, John McDonnell still very much banging the drum of you can't win this fight unless you're in it um, sort of thing. Um, other people mentioning how, you know, we, have, we are getting beaten up here the left of the party are just getting dragged through the mud um, as are many of their left-wing mps you know some of the things that's happened to them has, has been really horrendous over the last sort of few well, couple of years really um so yeah but it was very very positive um there have been some amazing political education events all across the world transformed um about a, an array of subject you know the climate crisis um uh so just so many things. I realized i I'm going on and on and on here, but honestly, you can catch the World Transform events on YouTube as well. Go and and have a look at it. Our events still on there as well. It was really good. Go and check that out. Um, it was re- the whole thing has been a lot more positive, a lot more proactive, and a lot more solutions based. Um, so it's been that side of the conference for me has just been epic.
0: A bit of hope and light in it. Mm. Thank you for that. Very just before I move on to anybody else. Well, has there been a women's conference this year?
3: Yes, there was. Yeah, I was just thinking, was it? It was online. Um, and I didn't go, but I do know our delegate who went and it it was all very pre-rehearsed. It was all very, not many people were allowed to speak. Not a lot got done. Um, I mean, a conference today, actually, there was a motion for um, the policy on violence against women and girls it was really emotional it was really really wonderfully done um but for me not really given enough attention and i don't think the women's conference really got a chance to really delve into that sort of thing either um which is a shame it's a big shame i mean the, the year they did it where it was the precursor to the main conference and it was all together felt a bit better but mm, i think they've got some work to do there i think
0: thank you very much um Kat, what, um, what's been your highlight of the conference? I know you wanted us to talk last week about the fact that uh, Keir Starmer um, was setting about going to war with the left. I mean, do you see the conference as, as that actually coming about? Um, uh, what, what would you see as the, the, the highlights of the conference?
1: Well, you know, I'm not a Labour Party member, uh, as, as most of you well well know and I advocated for, for my union to disaffiliate uh, from Labour which we did uh, uh, several years ago so from the outside looking in and I mean this without bitterness I'm not going to go and just have a moan but broadly uh, the thing that caught my eye the most was uh, I, I was I was quite impressed to see uh, Angela Rayner call Tories scum um, because that's true and then see or hell break loose and to have the leader of the Labour Party not have her back in saying that um, I also heard a lot of speeches from the top table and I've not followed it in, in minute detail but I have followed it where every speaker sounded like the bosses that I deal with and they were using boss talk they were using weird twisted watery words that I know if I'm with an employer and I'm negotiating as a union rep I know what that means, that's alarm bells. It's the wrong kind of red flag. So yeah, for me, what what jumps out is um, some kudos for Angela Rayner for, I'm just gonna say it again because I enjoy saying it, Tories are scum. Um, My disappointment in her top table, not having the balls to have her back, um, and a load of senior Labour politicians sounding like the bosses I deal with on a daily basis. (laughs)
0: Um, I mean, I read today that the bakers have just disaffiliated from from the party. Do you know anything about that, or does does anybody know anything about that? That we, because um, I know nothing more than that.
1: There's a really good statement that the BFAWU put out. I'll, I'll stick the link in the chat uh, in a little bit. Um, you know, and and they had said publicly that they would be having their meeting. Um, Today, they said, you know, a a few weeks ago when the president of the Baker's Union, Ian Hodson, was threatened with with expulsion. Uh, They've spoken quite openly and I think that they've dealt with it very democratically. They've consulted their members, their members have met, their members have spoken and their members have decided that essentially, and and I agree with them, that the Labour Party does not represent our values as a union and it doesn't represent the Baker's Union's values. Uh, as a union, and therefore they will be even more political. That's what I loved about their statement. In their statement, they said, that doesn't make us less political. It actually means we're going to be more political. We're not not involving ourselves in politics, but this machinery we're saying isn't working for us. But it's a really good statement. I, I encourage you all to read it.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you for your knowledge as well. There. And it's just wonderful to see uh, uh, unions saying, no, this isn't us pulling out. We need to press on forward. I think it's a, a message of hope at a time of real despair in the Labour Party. Um, I'm not going to ask you this, Kat, but sort of interrupt Paul if you know more about it, because I'm going to following on from the Bakers Union. Andy MacDonald has resigned as well. Paul, what do you make of that? No, no. Yes, Andy, McD- no, Andrew, Andy McDonald,
2: Andy the, 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 the MP. Yes. Yeah, so um yeah, this this is this has been really funny to watch. Um it's been the, the whole Labour Party confer- conference has been about massive contrast to me, and that seems to be the Labour Party at the moment. There's a huge contrast between what people believe in. Speaking of the Bakers Union as well, like that is a founding member of the Labour Party who've left the Labour Party. Can I found can I
0: just say I I and I'm sorry to interrupt you, Paul. Mm. Um, Neil Terry, they're not giving any more dough to Labour. That has to be the joke, <laughs> the joke of the night.
2: Mm. Sorry, Paul, please carry on. And it's it, it's tremendously sad that like that's the that's the roots of the Labour Party. That's the reason for the Labour Party's existence. Um and they don't feel like the Labour Party are representing them and they they've disaffiliated. Andy Macdonald is clearly very disillusioned as well. Now, Andy Macdonald, it's really funny because like I've seen him painted in the press as this like far left. Um, they kept on describing as hard left. He's causing trouble. He's doing these things on purpose, and it was really interesting because the people who were accusing him of of like basically trouble trouble making and mischief making in the middle of the conference were the people who'd orchestrated all the all the resignations against Corbyn. And I think it's one of those things in life, it's one of those real truisms to me, that people always accuse other people of what they are willing to do. They know, for them, it's a game. It's all about winning power within the Labour Party. Nothing else matters. It's an end rather than a means. But for Andy MacDonald, he's actually tried to work within that. Like He's been one of the people... Who survived, and you know, he's managed not to get kicked off the front bench like Rebecca Long Bailey, or or have or, or Nadia Whittam to an extent was kind of, you know, she was she was forced to leave. I can't quite remember the circumstances, but it was something to do with um, not not being supportive of care workers, um, and and Andy McDonald stuck it out, and he's a real Labour man through and through, and he supported Andy Burnham. In the leadership election, he isn't like they were calling him a Corbynista. A Corbynista, think, not that that really exists, you know. For us, it's just like whatever, like it's being left or being socialist or or believing in equality or workers' rights. Those kind of things. That's what you believe on the left, and he believes in those things. But he he was also quite pragmatic, um, in that way. He thought Andy Burnham was the better choice than than Jeremy Corbyn, when we went for it. So now he's painted as this hard left person by. Someone like Ian Murray, who had his speech written to join Ch- Change UK, he was going to join Change UK and realized that he actually probably wouldn't win a seat under Change UK, and he was and he's wheeled out on the news to be like, oh well, you know, this is all just for attention to try and undermine the conference. Andy Macdonald resigned because Keir Starmer reneged on his position. Um. Andy McDonald had worked on a position paper which requested £15 an hour which some people uh, as a minimum wage, which some people are saying is unrealistic, but actually costs have gone up, everything's getting really expensive for people, living standards have fallen, and if you push up that minimum wage, that means more money in the economy for people, that means other wages will go up, that's how it works, you know, it will work like that. So it's not saying that other people's wages shouldn't go up as well. Keir Starmer said, no, no, we want to stick with 10, which is kind of an old pledge. It's a bit outdated. So that's where we are. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. And then, um, so one of Keir Starmer's team actually went, uh, encouraged Andy to go against that £15 an hour. And that's why he resigned. Um,
0: Paul, um, before I ask (coughs) you your general feeling about the, the conference as a whole, Um, Talk to us about Palestine as well. You're the person most likely to uh, understand what on earth happened about Palestine at at conference.
2: Well, Palestine, uh, there were a couple of motions in there. There was was one about EHRC in which the Labour Party basically tried to push a definition that was... um, was saying to criticise Israel... ...could be considered to be anti-Semitic... Um, ...according to reports... ...I do not know that for a fact... ...because I haven't read the motion... ...so that's not my interpretation of it... ...I'm going from things I've read on, on Twitter, etc... ...so that's not me reporting the news, by the way... Um, ...but the Palestine motion... ...that uh, passed a conference... ...was basically saying... ...Israel are behaving as an apartheid state... ...which is agreed to by the UN, etc... ...Labor Friends of Israel have come out strongly against this and the Labour front bench have said we can't support that so they aren't going to like basically what the members have decided at conference isn't going to stand as Labour policy so the policy is to support Palestine in um, you know in because the Palestinian people are being treated as second class citizens within the borders of Israel Um, but the leadership don't want to support that because they don't. And Thank you.
0: Um, just very briefly, Paul, um, <coughs> um, in 60 seconds, um, what are you taking out of conference? What's your key message? Are you in the state there, Paul? Is that iron brew? Um, so that the, and well, <laughs> strengthen yourself and, um, uh, sort of, um, what, what's the main thing for, um, conference for, for, for you?
2: For me um yeah. so uh, the, as I say it's that it's that contrast so in the Labour Party and, and people who are watching this will know what the Labour Party is like the Labour Party was founded by the trade union movement and some socialist societies um over time it became something that you know that the, it became a battle particularly under Tony Blair, Neil Kinnock, and and so on but it's always been there between people who actually think you can be pragmatic and you don't have to really fight for workers rights in the same way you can kind of be on both sides you can kind of be on the side of the bosses you can be kind of on the side of capitalism you can triangulate you can listen to the voters decide what you think the voters are telling you to do which is always exactly their opinion anyway and uh, and go with that or there's people who have their principled ideology in that no, we yeah. will be on the side of workers. We will be on the side of people who are being treated badly. We will be on the side, We will fight against injustice. And there's this battle in there. And honestly, I, d- I think it's between I described it the other day in our world transformed event, as being uh, people who are willing to, I don't know who people who see power as a means or an end. So within the Labour Party, I think there's some people who just think, right, power is all important, that's what we need. And then there's other people saying the only point in having power is in order to change things for the better of people. Um, And one thing as well I pointed out as well with, uh, with Jeremy Corbyn was that Jeremy Corbyn actually wanted to give power away. And that is a very scary thing for the establishment, the idea that other people would have been empowered... Other people would have had some of his power had he become Prime Minister. Scared the living daylights out of the establishment and that's why we saw a massive backlash. And I think that gets overlooked quite a lot. So I think that's, that balance, that contrast is what I'm taking out of the Labour Party conference.
0: Thank you so much, Paul. Um, I'd, I'd love to talk to you more, but we are running out of time on this. Sam, um, last, same question to you, really. Uh, the... Um, the, the, the Guardian sees this conference as an attempt by Keir Starmer to set the um, Labour Party on a more reasonable, more centrist course. Um, I've got two questions to you, really. First of all, would you agree with that? And secondly, how successfully is he being, do you think, if it is? I
4: think the fact that uh, the the... Bakers and Allied Food Workers Union decided to disaffiliate. And the fact that we've now got the Unite General Secretary talking about moving away from the Labour Party tells us, and obviously. Uh, long-standing disaffiliators like the RMT. Um, what what we are he- what I'm hearing from those things is that these unions have realized that their association with the Labour Party is now stopping them from reaching the people that they need to reach within the workplace. Um, so they are shelving that and saying. You know, we're not here to shove politics down your face. We are here to help you. We are not here to ship you off to Pool to knock on doors of people who are not going to vote for this party. And you you don't even want to vote for this party yourself. You know, we are here to work for you in the workplace. And I think that's a positive thing, because if we are going to get a Labour Party that is worthy to serve those workers, it has to come from the trade union and and the wider labour movement, it can't go the other way around. You know, I am a very uh, impassioned uh, local politician, but it's not my job to walk into a union and try and tell them how how to, like, re- represent workers. Um, but I do need to listen to them, in their fight on the ground, and and ask how I can help from my direction so that that's one big thing I think we can take away from this and the other the sort of the the uh, light at the end of the tunnel is that while we do now need 20% of MPs to um, sign off on future leadership candidates we also have some new procedures in place for snap general elections which should ensure that local constituencies have a better chance of choosing people that they support. Um, So if our members are socialists and they have an opportunity to have a bigger uh, chance of choosing who their MP is going to be, we might end up with more socialist MPs than we have at the moment. Yes Paul?
2: Just, just the point there, David Evans can veto any of the candidates according to the new law. Well, so, so, so yeah, yeah, maybe in theory you might get a choice, but you may not get the choice of the person you want because he might for any reason say, nope, mm. thank you. And David Evans got but, through his vote as well, which was an awful shame.
4: Realistically, in the Labour Party, that's our next big fight, isn't it? They're going to have to select candidates for our constituencies in the so-called Red Wall. Um, And that will be another telling tale of what the Labour Party actually stand for, who gets to stand for those positions.
0: Thank you, Sam. Um, What I've heard from you, Sam, is that maybe the the Labour Party really needs to stop following around itself and start thinking, what on earth is the point of the Labour Party? What is its point? Uh, what is it there to do? Thank you very much for all those comments. Um, and as you know, people, we now go on to the other stories. So, Kat, the energy crisis. Is it all our fault, those Disgusting panic buyers—we're all just ruining everything. How dare we want to keep warm and drive our cars around? So, to
1: tell us about the, the energy crisis, and it's a right mess, isn't it, John? Um, but I think what's been quite fascinating is who's trying to blame who and why. So, we're in the middle of a climate crisis, and people are queuing at, at petrol garages at, at one in the morning. There's a, there's an interesting. Uh, contrast of issues going on. So right as the Labour conference is discussing a um, a Green New Deal, we have a, a, an obsession with petrol and diesel. Uh, we've also got the issue of Brexit contingency planning. Now, that sounds like the world's most boring book in the world, doesn't it? Brexit contingency planning. But as a health and safety rep, contingency planning is something absolutely crucial to what I do.
0: So your eyes light up the... Ca- uh, oh, I love
1: it. Give me a footnote. Oh. <laughs> Tingle down my spine. But um, When we're talking about Brexit contingency planning, what does that actually mean? Because apparently it means 80 soldiers driving fuel tankers Uh, or, it, it, you know, taking us back to, was it the early 90s when when it was the lorry drivers striking and, and the kinds of things that they brought in then. So I think there's an enormous amount to talk about. But I think something that the press isn't talking about is what does capitalism have to do with this? It, it, took, it took less than 24 hours for the headlines to say Christmas could be ruined, um, you know, because apparently Christmas means buying stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'd like to censor the discussion on capitalism. Uh, I, I doubt the mainstream press would agree with me, uh, but we have a shortage of something that in theory, we didn't have a shortage of, but because people reacted and behaved in a certain way, we now actually do. But that shortage, the item, that people thought we were short of, isn't what we're short of. What we're short of are the workers that get that fuel from A to B. And then when we, we speak to those workers, those workers say, my quality of life, my terms and conditions and my wages are not good enough here. There are not appropriate rest spaces. I don't get enough break. I don't get paid well enough. Um, The roads are this certain condition. And I go to mainland Europe, I go to this country in Europe, I go to that country in Europe, and I'm treated better. So again, the press are, are having this race to the bottom about let's get more people that we can treat like shit and pay poorly, as opposed to going, what is the issue here? Not treating workers fairly, not having a proper, meaningful, workable contingency plan and capitalism.
0: So good. Just one very, very, because, because this is, so you, this has got to be a, a very short answer, Cap. but sort of the whole thing about capitalism is that the market creates, uh, fills the gap. So when you get um, a shortage of lorry drivers, they then can command higher wages and better conditions. And you get more and more lorry drivers and the the thing corrects itself. I mean, you've almost answered this question, but sort of why is capitalism not working in this situation?
1: I don't think that manufacturing consent, that's a, I'm nicking a Chomsky line, um, you know, works, manufacturing panic is what has happened. And that's not going to instill any confidence in a worker who can get a better wage and a better quality of life working in a different country.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Um, Any comments, anybody, on um, the the energy crisis that you, you want to add to what Kath has said? Laura.
3: I mean, I can't add anything better than what Katta said. Like, no, no, it's pretty damn good. <laughs> but um, I think what we're going to need, we really need to be planning for here is um, with the energy crisis, the way it is, and the price hike that is happening now, not to mention the energy companies that are now folding Um Again, subsequently putting prices up even higher and the removal of the £20 uplift for universal credit. We are going to see some real difficulties this winter, some with devastating consequences. I think this is going to be massive. I mean, we see deaths every year anyway, just because people have frozen to death in their houses because they can't afford to heat the house. I think with all of this that's happening now, I, I do really have a lot of worry for what this Christmas is going to look like and I don't mean because people can't afford to go to Toys R Us that's not even a thing anymore god I'm old um <laughs> but it's because genuinely people can't afford to keep themselves warm and this is is a crisis and it's been said loads this week that it's a crisis and it feels like the government aren't listening and don't care because of capitalism <laughs>
0: Sam, I mean, yes, taking up from Laura's point, to what extent is this the government's fault? To, to what extent are the government culpable in this?
4: Well, I think, you know, the, you know you've know, got, you've got one job, <laughs> and that's to lead the country. And, and they're not doing a very good job of it when ministers are tweeting, uh, there is no fuel shortage in capital letters. That is not leadership. That is just shit tweeting <laughs> stop <laughs> shouting in your tweets <laughs> um yeah i just love it on. the
0: way uh, you know, sort of somebody comes on and says in very sonorous tones um now you know we want you to buy petrol sensibly if you buy it sensibly, there'll be no problem we don't want any panic buying we've got plenty petrol uh, so let's all just be sensible everybody in the country thinks my god i've got to go out and buy some petrol quickly it's completely counterproductive which is what cat was saying um last very very briefly
2: paul uh, last word on this um i think what we need to do is again it's it's all cat absolutely nailed it it's all about capitalism um, it's all about constant growth. It's all about the idea that, you know, you always need to consume more and more and more. People haven't been putting those things in place. Like um, I'm, I'm talking here about the gas shortages and stuff. So we need better insulation. We need better insulated homes to stop using as much gas, but that doesn't really suit the firms because they want to sell you more gas. This is where the free market, clearly the free market, which doesn't exist, it's absolute nonsense, but anyway, um, this is why the market does not know best. You need to plan for a country's well-being and we have outsourced the storage of gas. Like, the storage of gas for winter. We've only got, like, we've got a fraction of what we used to have in gas storage in this country. And we outsourced our gas storage to Germany. Now, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to the German people? Are they going to make sure that the German people have enough gas? Or are they going to make sure that the people from the UK have enough gas? Like, this, it, it's just complete nonsense, The way the way our entire system behaves... We need to use less gas. We need to be prepared to do that. And also, it's been really funny seeing the backlash from people like um, Nigel Farage, who's a moron, um, just saying things like, oh, this is all wind power's fault. Because one of the reasons that we're going to have a slight energy shortage is because it's not as windy. It hasn't been as windy recently. This is like something probably you can't really cope with. But if you had the infrastructure to store more power, store more solar and so on, that's an argument for more renewables he's like oh no we need fewer renewables okay replace it with fossil fuels that you can't get hold of it's absolute nonsense we have got so many people with such influence in this country who have no clue what they're talking about it's embarrassing Thank you.
0: Um, I'm sorry to all my uh, contributors that I uh, chopped every one of you off um, sort of before you'd got everything said you wanted to say, uh, but we only have 10 minutes, left, well, 12 minutes left, and we still have two topics to do. Uh, so it's going to be similar on the next two people. You've been warned. I apologise. Paul, um, call for New Deal for England's children as the poll shows mental health concerns.
2: Um, what what worries me is they're always trying to look after the symptom here and and not the disease. And again, the disease is capitalism. You know what what we've got is you've got people who look back and say, I remember when I used to be able to play out and I used to be able to do whatever. And they'll, they'll look back and kids these days and they'll they'll really be quite critical of them. The pressure that children are under for all sorts of different reasons, whether that's consumerism to look a certain way, like a pressure to look a certain way. That's exam pressure. Like, why are we putting our kids under such exam pressure? And the exams don't matter, and it's becoming increasingly clear that exams really don't matter the the way that we've been told to. You've got schools fighting against each other for league tables. You've got stressed teachers in schools teaching stressed kids stressing one another out behaving in a certain way not being able to fit in like this there are no alternatives for them they've been forced into academia the choices for them in a state school are going down and down and down you hear like you know ministers saying oh they need to have more music and stuff well why did you cut funding why did you cut funding for music teachers You know, or they need to have other skills. Well, why did you make it all about academia and not allow any vocational qualifications to count in a school's league table and therefore the school needs to get rid of them? This is not rocket science. This system has been designed in order to destroy the mental health of children. That wasn't what it was for, but that's been the main outcome. So that's what we really need to be looking towards here. There is not... (laughs) mental health issues in children probably have occurred for eternity but not to this extent and not in this systemic way like you know it's part of the system that's causing the problem and we need to address that system rather than saying oh we like you know i'm all for school counselors and things like that but at the end of the day that's to address a symptom that's already been caused you know and they've got rid of them anyway so they really don't care. It's just lip service, like we talked about last week, to a lot of things that, they, that we hear. Thank you, boss. God bless you.
0: Sam, um, what um, uh, I'm reading here is that we have, I think, some good statements by Dame Rachel D'Souza, who is the Conservative Minister in Charge. And she hasn't put a figure on it, but sort of she's agreed with um, nearly £6 billion, uh, investment in 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 education and we got kiestama in in the road map that he we rubbished earlier on saying that you know ex- we need to do exactly what paul says um we, we need to do do you think that the the politicians are onto this problem sufficiently at the moment now then
4: well no because i think what i mean it everybody could have, could have told you that suspending children's usual education and sending them home and asking their parents to deliver their education while they are working from home and existing through a catastrophic economic and public health event, which terrified everyone, might affect children's mental health. But there has been absolutely no strategies put in by the government to combat the COVID-related fallout from children's mental health. In fact, now, um, all three of my children, including the six-year-old, are doing extra hours at school to to catch up. (laughs) Um, And and what I have, are three extremely exhausted children who need to play. That's what they need to do to recover. But they're not playing. They they cram in phonics and maths so they can get through these bloody tests.
0: Thank you. I'm so sorry to cut you off. there. I'm sure you had plenty more that was valued to say. Um, Laura, um, Dame Rachel D'Souza called the this generation of children uh, heroes. Do you agree? I,
3: I think. <laughs> I have a lot to say about that, and not enough time. Um, she is said that just to get a headline and just to make herself look like a good person. Um, they, I suppose, yeah, in a, in a sense, they are because they have been put through the ringer. You know, they've been forced to deal with this situation in not a very good way at all, and are coming through the other side. But she's—you can't just call them heroes. They're struggling, and it's her job to look after them. You know and they've been absolutely let down her calling them heroes is about as useful as clapping nhs workers you know we don't want that we want you to actually put your money where your mouth is and actually do something about it not just the symptoms as paul said but the cause as well what
0: a brilliant statement thank <laughs> you so much laurie for that last word cat um sort of um too little too late needed an entire change of direction of education what's your what's your solution here
1: well this is exactly what everyone else has said it's this it's the system that is contributing detrimentally and actually what what laurel was touching on this language of heroics is very problematic um just like clapping workers as opposed to paying them fairly uh is problematic so i do think the language that used and that rhetoric is something that we need to call out because all of this is distraction from exactly what sam has just said is um Her kids need rest. They need to recoup. And and that joy and that rest and that regeneration is not done by simply doing more homework. Thank you.
0: I mean, one last thing very briefly, indeed, please. Um, The report highlights that uh, teenage girls are twice as likely to be worried about their mental health as teenage boys. I mean, what's the issue here? and, And what can we do about that?
1: Well, I think we have a, we have a crisis um, caused by misogyny and patriarchy. But I would also say we have to question data. Uh, we don't just accept what is presented to us. We look into how did that data come about? Because we also know how significantly high the suicide rate in it. it, uh, it I think it's men um, about 25 to 40. Um, so is it that women, uh, young girls are able to communicate how they're feeling at that age. But there is an issue, there is an issue. Women are getting murdered when they walk across the park. Um, So of course there is an issue. Uh, And that is one we as a whole society and men in particular need to be talking about and we need to be acting on.
0: Wonderful, God bless you. Thank you for those answers. Last question, moving on um, sort of, we have six minutes left. So please, somebody's not gonna be asked, I I warn you. Sam, um, the Equalities Minister has said she does not care about colonialism. Now I'm going to quiz you about this because um, I think there's more to this than meets the eye. But what sort of, what is your immediate uh, statement about this?
4: Well, so this is something she said in a WhatsApp group. We're getting lots of leaked messages from WhatsApp groups, by the way. If you're in a WhatsApp group, make sure you know who is was in there with you, right? Move to um, Slack now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and she. and she literally said like yeah maybe colonialism wasn't so bad because i don't know what was there before did they even have rights or like <laughs> oh my god but um I mean, so th- this is a perfect example of why you can't expect every woman to be an expert on feminism. You can't expect every person of colour to, to be an ex- expert on on. on race you can feminism. expect
0: the Equalities Minister to be an expert oh, on feminism. Well, you would, but she is
4: the Tory Equalities Minister. I mean...
0: Can I just quiz you here, Sam, about the fact that... I mean, I, I have... Um, a lot of sympathy with what she said, that nobody's saying that colonialism wasn't a disaster for the African states, that slavery didn't destroy West Africa, at least. Um, nobody's questioning the damage of that. But... Um, how much did you believe these these people who were coming online and telling us that what existed before was this sort of uh, wonderful thing of equality and happiness and cultural and, and sort of sort of really? Did, did you believe that it wasn't it? There weren't problems of significant moment um, in what was a declining society before the Europeans turned up, and nobody's suggesting that the Europeans didn't make a mess of things, but sort of, do, you know, do we, are we looking at pre-colonial times through two rose-tinted glasses?
4: I think you've got no right to come into my house and tell me how to run it that's what I think and I think that we have to recognize you know we don't get to we've just seen what's happened in Afghanistan is a perfect example of what happens when you try and uh, sort of graft your society onto another culture it doesn't work and and where the the whole world is suffering from the long, long-term long effects of colonialism, and uh, including, you know, the, the problem, not the problem, the problem of immigration into this country is because we, we forced the whole world to speak English. So when they have problems, that's one of the places they come to. We don't take the whole world's immigration, by the way. They go to lots of places. We only get a small percentage.
0: Thank you so much, Sam. God bless Some really good points there. God bless you. Paul, um, have you any sympathy with this woman at all?
2: No, no, I think she's awful. Um, she She's obviously been, like, she was talking about speaking to a professor of hers who'd, like, actually explained to her that she was wrong about how she felt about, um, about you know, colonialism and things like that. And it sounds really, like, almost like she's being a bit groomed it's like it was a really odd thing like actually i had all these opinions about colonialism and how terrible it was but then i'd spoke to this professor and he told me all these things that actually really really made sense when he said them to me a thousand times so it just it was it, the article was a bit like uh a bit horrible and i felt really bad yeah. that like you would be arguing in that way you know uh, it's awful. We are
0: looking. We are looking at a, a, an, an issue whether whether we like it or not. And we're all left wing here, so we have a various view. But I mean, do you not accept that there is a significant academic body of of, of valid research which says that um, that it sort of there were positives, there were pros, and things like that? What what do you say to that?
2: it depends what you it depends what you mean by positives you know like people were always saying oh well look at the railways in india but like india had a vast amount of the world's trade and then by the time the the like you know the empire left they had like four percent you know so the, the economic damage was done as well as cultural damage you, and it's funny as well like uh, even if you talk about the way faith is practiced you know that kind of church-based faith even in the like mosque-based faith um you know it's all from having to conform to certain standards and you know it's really interesting that I, I suggest people really look into colonialism because it's it's very interesting the things that There's we're not a lot
0: to say about it cat you look desperate to say something
2: i'm just agreeing it's, it's
1: I'll, I'll keep Simple, I'll do it in three words. Empire is crime, um, and, uh, and, and uh, to what you said, John, do you think that there are arguments that have legs um, that support colonia- colonialism, can't even say it? My answer is no, bollocks, that's bollocks. Um, there isn't, um, but there's some really interesting conversations to have. I mean, but essentially, we have to think about um, the money earned off the backs of people's labor. I mean, th- I mean let's, let's talk slavery here. You know there is there is no good colonialism, um, uh, but I'm intrigued that there's an academic arena uh, that is that are trying to um, validate that argument, which is bollocks. Um,
0: that is, that, that,
1: that, there we have it. Um, so, so the statement is bollocks. Um,
0: uh, wonderful. Last word, Laura. Um, sort of should this be a topic in schools?
3: Yes or no? Of course it should. Of course it should. Um, you're you're the history boffin you know um our our history is teaches us who we are where we've come from and most of that is being left out and um you know we are led to believe that we are all descended from white gods you know and it's just like pathetic and yeah i mean I, i don't know a huge amount of colonial history and that you know i should um and i absolutely will look into it a lot more but i think for the equalities minister whose job it is to understand history and to take that on and and use that in developing, you know, plans for the future and having empathy with people whose families have suffered through all of these trials to then go, no, I'm not so bothered about that. It's, uh, It's just unforgivable. It's literally our job, you know, and she gets paid enough for it. So no sympathy whatsoever with her.
0: And on that note, thank you so much. I'm going to bring the first half of the show uh, to a halt. Um, Welcome to Mary Dixon, who's watching for the first time, Uh, joined my wife um, and sort of uh, um, um, well didn't make any comments on the on the comments that are noticed but sort of maybe in the second half um she'll dare to speak up um because what we do now everybody as you know is we listen to no passeran uh, from Joe solo um and then we get an, an, a we, refill our glasses of water and and we come and Sam takes over and we look at the things you've been saying and you challenge us with some things and uh, I I usually try and fail not to lose my temper and so basically um, it's it's a more more um, uh, flexible time Uh, so you're welcome to join us if you want if you have to go god bless goodbye see you next week so thank you very much end of the first half thank you
4: hello it is my half of the show I'm in charge and I'm really glad because Neil Terry has written me a whole stand-up routine in the comments <laughs> <laughs> um he's say? he's been caught up in the panic buy-in uh no I'll, I'll I'd say I'll I'll steal his words yeah why not uh, I've been caught up in the panic buy-in I've run out of money spending all my money on panic I'm well stocked up now <laughs> uh, and also we need insulate Britain to block more roads as it will ease the queues on the fork courts. <laughs> um <laughs> e- haven't the, the ultra-right-wing been having a great time slagging off insulated Britain? Like, it's been like a national holiday for them. And then they found out that there was a guy who uh was campaigning for insulate Britain who didn't have his house insulated. Now, I mean... Is that, is that exciting now? <laughs> is that fun? Is that... I don't even know if my house is insulated because I don't bloody own it because I'm shit poor, right? Like, if you're choosing, if you do own your house, you are still probably choosing, like, to eat or to heat it. Like, come on, people. Come on. Ah, uh, and then they found out that his mum was a Labour councillor, so they went in overdrive. overdrived me. They loved that. And I'm glad, I'm glad they had something to, to enjoy. Anyway, it must be really, really uh, difficult now that Brexit's turned out to be a steel and min pile of shit. <laughs> I Who am just not anti I did not care about Brexit before Brexit, and I still don't care about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it didn't
2: need to be crap, did it? It didn't need to be this bad.
4: You didn't know, they could have th- they mean, could have got a deal. The whole thing about the lorry drivers is like the most foreseeable problem. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> come on. We knew that was gonna happen. Why have they not spent the la- how many years have there been it's been 2015 this all kicked off wasn't it so it's been like six years why have we not in those six years trained lorry drivers come on oh my god like there was no did nobody look at all of the jobs that were being done by people who were in Europe and consider that we might need to fill those jobs If we we're, them we're
2: a like- small island surrounded by water what could go wrong <laughs> What's listen, listen, the market knows best. The market'll sort it out. Just you don't have to do any planning. Just the market'll do it. And that's this is that's what happens when the market it's does a it. Song
4: waiting to happen. There's already half a song like that. It's in Rapunzel. Or the evil mother knows best. It's like the market mm. knows best. The market will do I'm gonna write it. Go on then, John.
0: Can I just have a, a chunter about this activist who didn't have his home stated? They did the same to a woman who was saying that we need to try and move to electric cars. And they said, well, do you have an electric car? And the answer was, well, no, I don't. So the, I think there's two issues here. Um, the way electric cars work is that you spend a lot of money up front on them, but they're much better for, over the next 20 years while they're running. They cost more And they cost more in terms of carbon to create an electric car than to create a petrol car. With a petrol car, it's not as expensive in terms of money or carbon. But then running it on petrol all those years, the end result is that the electric car is both cheaper and certainly cheaper on carbon to run. And the result of this is that if you've just bought an electric car, as my wife has done, she bought herself a mini, well, four years ago, she bought it, no, three years ago, she bought herself a Mini Cooper Scrapping that car now with all that carbon invested in it is absolutely the wrong thing to do because you've, you've, you've scrapped all that and sort of, in fact, running it um, reasonably is all you can do is, is, is a sensible thing to do. And when it, can, when it comes time to replace your car, that's the time to buy electric. Not to get rid of the car you've got, which is running, and it's the same with the, um, with heating as well. That sort of that boiler, that sort of might be inefficient. In fact, if you've had it in, not in if you only just put it in, it might not be the best thing to scrap it now and have all that carbon cost of putting a new boiler in. That the thing is, is that when you uh, look, when you have to replace that boiler, that's the time to look at better um, heating for your house. Um, But much more than that, um, it's not just about in terms of carbon expenditure, it's in terms of money. Because all these things require an electric car, a new boiler, insulating your house, um, less so, but sort of nevertheless, all require a significant outlay of money up front. And people just don't have that money. And to start shouting at people about the fact that, and it 's all this and the thing that makes me furious about it they try and say that it's that um climate change is our responsibility, and we need to be doing something about it and and people cannot they don't have the money to do it, uh, but also it's not sense to do it. We need to move in a in a sensible manner towards um a a non fossil fuel economy uh, kind of, the other thing affordable
4: costs, public transport
0: yes absolutely um but sort of, public
4: transport
0: we need to um, sort of we need to take care of people's jobs as we make that transition as well and 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 sort of so all this crap about the fact that um uh sort of oh yeah you're, you're saying we need to insulate our house but your house is not insulated therefore your message is invalid is an invalid argument. Thank you for letting me rant, Samantha.
4: <laughs> That's fine. We all love a John D. Clare rant. Uh, I'm, I meant to sort of slip in at the beginning of the show, you know, for people who joined Socialist Think Tank at the World Transform, we are, we are sorry that Jeremy Corbyn is not a permanent fixture, but we have <laughs> County Durham's very own Jeremy Corbyn with us, John D. Clare. He's a visionary in his own right. <laughs> He's like Aldi version of. <laughs> Not I was
2: one. going to
0: say how lovely until they slipped in that last comment. I am the Aldi General Jeremy Corbyn. Thank you. That makes
1: Jeremy Corbyn the Tesco price match.
0: <laughs> I don't think he'd be pleased that you were suggesting that he was the Acado Jeremy Corbyn. Mm-hmm. Oh
4: yes. <laughs> Yeah, let, let's not follow this metaphor any further. <laughs> let's leave that one there. Um, now, there was a comment further up. Jonathan uh, said, is uh, importing cheap labour the best way of improving wages for British drivers? No, but it's also a total falsehood that immigration drives down wages, right? It's, it's not borne out by the fact, at the end of the day, we we know... Why there are not as many um, HGV drivers as we would like, and that's because we've treated them like shit for 40 years. If we treated them well and we remunerated them well and looked after them, then people would do that job. I, I, you know, the people in my family who were uh, lorry drivers, and And when it was a good job for them and they got paid well for it, but now they're not and they are really exploited. So that's the key to getting uh, people to fill those jobs is to treat them like human beings. It's not that hard, actually. Not that tricky. Um, And that is why working with people like unions makes economic sense um and, and we you know we, we ignore them at our peril because actually they are in the way uh for a a society which works for everyone and you can't just shut them down forever um funny <laughs> says what's this a cardo bullshit
2: <laughs> Jim, it's the market as, thing as, again though isn't it like the yeah. the, the market thing like you, the market isn't going to sort this out if a country needs a certain amount of things it, like you know you've got to decide on what your priorities are is it going to be to pay drivers properly and then you know and or is it or is it going to do your do that job as cheaply as possible and that's mm. why you'll end up with people who like you know we, we heard about lorry drivers who lived in poorer countries who were living over here in awful conditions in order to send money home to their country because it was so much more valuable but that undercut wages like they if it's a race to the bottom all the time that's the problem and we need to make sure that it isn't a race to the bottom because it's a false economy because it takes money out of the local economy as well and it makes everyone poorer you know it, it's it's really isn't rocket science this and i think we all i think as a public we've been forced this narrative and I talked about this at the world transformed as well. We've been forced into this narrative, that greed is good and the market knows best and stuff. And it's, it's like a mantra and people have been brainwashed into it, but it isn't normal thinking. And I think people can easily get their head around the alternative.
1: Well-paid workers stimulate the economy, you know, Uh, and there's this falsity of, of, of um, you know, uh, the government uh, year after year saying the pay freeze is the morally right thing to do because we don't have a lot of money. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, uh, and th- these are people that have come from hedge funds that have spent decades uh, in the financial sector that know in order um, for their system to work, let alone the one that, that we advocate for as socialists, um, you need people to spend money. And for people to spend money, they need to have money to spend. Um, And they do this magic trickery sort of like really bad Phil Daniel shit that makes you think that we should have a pay freeze. uh, But we also should take a loan out to take a holiday we can't afford.
0: I mean, you're just so, so right. And, um, And my wife particularly gets worried. She sees all these houses and all these people and she says, what do they all do? And the whole thing, the whole thing about a capitalist economy depends on all these millions of people going out and spending, spending, spending to keep us all in jobs, to keep the rest of us in jobs. And it is all and what this conservative government has presided over for now a decade is a situation where those of us who are doing all the spending are getting poorer and poorer and poorer. And, and sort of the people who are getting richer aren't spending it. They're shoving it away into the Cayman Islands. So there's less and less money going. And sort of it's so dangerous. And you're absolutely right, Sam and Kat. Surely there's somebody in, 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 in power at some level who has the sense to see that if you want people to buy things, they've got to have the money to be able to buy them. We can't buy on credit forever. Um, and and he just and, and we're supposed to be the the the, the nutcase left wing hardline people who don't know what they're talking about and and he sort of and the only other thing I've got to say about this is thank goodness um, uh, Jeremy Corbyn in his statement he alluded to this as well the fact that we have to um, give people enough, a, a wage sufficient to live on um, well done to him.
2: Nice to see we've got some people in Brighton watching as well. We've got our our Jake and uh, Stuart is watching as well and sent some reports. They talked about Andrew Hedges too, who's, I, I believe Andrew's a member of Socialist Think Tank. Um, he did a cracking speech today, really having a pop at Rachel Reeves um, because of what she'd said about um, unemployed people and making their lives really difficult and what have you. That's worth a look up. I'm sure someone will drop that in there in the chat, Andrew Hedges' speech. Andrew Hedges is a really good uh, Unite community person, really nice uh, nice young young man. So, yeah, watch that one. It was very good. And Mark's um, watching from Brighton as well, Mark Lungley. Yay,
4: yeah, thanks, Mark. We met in person.
2: Uh, we saw him in real life as well. We played Guess the Height. You know when you see people in real life and you don't know how tall nice, anyone yeah. is? And yeah, everyone's got this really... Like, you don't know how tall anyone is until you actually see them.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there is a there is a question. I'm not going to deep dive into Chris's question because I think it's really important that we don't dwell too much on County Durham politics. Um, but... Yeah, he's apparently uh, our deputy leader uh, of the Labour Group at Durham County Council said, Durham County Council's Labour Group tabled a motion this morning condemning the government for snatching £20 a week from hard working families on universal credit. Rather than support us, the Tory-led coalition in control voted to support the cut. Cold and heartless, every single one. So... What happened was um, the Labour group tabled a motion, which was simply to condemn the they cut universal credit. And the, an, a, an amendment came up that took out the word condemn and added the words like questions and disagrees with or something, which happens every time because they know that they can't disagree with us because they know their own government is maliciously and deliberately damaging our people um, but they have to try and make it slightly more palatable to be able to vote for it so they water it down a bit and then they can vote for it. Uh, This is what an effective opposition does by the way and we're doing a very good job of it forcing the Conservatives to vote through motions that condemn their own government's actions Um, so yeah I don't think the amendment quite um, was the same as supporting the cut so I probably agree with you there Chris but I've only been a counsellor for about five minutes and I don't get to tell people like rug group what to say so you should talk to him yourself Anyway, uh, what else? Matt Longley says the Labour Party should be on the side of the working class and unions. So I don't want, I expect the leader of the Labour Party to support the working class and unions when they take a reasoned and principled position like the NAU did during the pandemic. Very good point. Well, made. Ah, that was very disappointing to me. Uh, can i Perry's have a says,
1: little mini rant about about yeah. disaffiliation by the way go for it just okay. um j- just to paint a picture for people that sort of think when unions um disaffiliate disaffili- from, from a party they they cease to be political so the rmt and i imagine the baker's union will continue to financially contribute to specific politicians and i think with the rmt and it's this is all transparent and accountable. And, and public knowledge, if, if you look lucky enough, um, it's all to Labour politicians. Uh, so we do continue to financially fund individual Labour MPs that represent our values, but we do not take part in the machinery, which we feel makes us less useful and helpful to supporting the needs of our members. So disaffiliation does not mean we don't financially contribute. And disaffiliation does not mean we stop involving ourselves in politics. We're just getting more specific because we believe the machinery, the system, isn't doing what it should for us.
0: And right at this, Kate, well done, that's it. I'll just have a word back at Chris Ford, if you can, Sam. Um, I think the thing is, is that um, uh tory um councillors voted to support the cut and and basically is he's, he's trying to catch you out on semantics there um sort of because they, they didn't condemn it um mm. sort of they put some other words in there Ah yes but they didn't they didn't agree with it they didn't support it and so there's this big thing basically the simple thing is 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 Chris do you condemn the 20 pound cut do you condemn it say i'd love to know on here in in specific words are you will will you write on our stream i condemn the 20 pound cut if you can write that you're on our side if you can't write that well then you are um mealy mouth supporting uh, a sort of uh, a tory injustice and and sort of if you can't say you condemn it, um, then uh, that's basically essentially just falling in line. And it's, oh, yes, we can't say we can't use the word condemn. Well, in that case, you're not on our side. Jesus was clear on this. He says, those who aren't for us are against us. And that's what's happening here. Um, sort of I'm uh, um, look forward to your, your, your comment. I condemn the 20 pound universal credit cut. Um, and when, when you put that, then I'm very happy with what you say. You write any other damn thing and you're not on my side, matey. You're you, 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 um, just propping up a corrupt and evil government.
4: I mean, and as a politician, I'm happy to play politics. I'll play politics every single day and night until uh, they vote me out um but the the point is and, and Chris, you know the discussions that took place in that chamber, and you know that the conservative deputy leader of the council said in the chamber that um it it was terrible for us, the labor party, to say that his party um are, are, don't care about people who are in poverty. in fact they care they care more. Because they were busy asking to do things about it rather than talking about it. And Chris has just mentioned it there. Uh, we supported a motion instead of shouting into the night. Look, if you think talking in a council chamber is talking into the night, talking to yourself, or otherwise pointless, then I don't think you understand the purpose of our democracy, you know we do talk in council chambers to make our position clear. It doesn't always have to have a, and then we are going to. Something as simple as condemning the universal credit cut can be as simple as that. And making our position clear on that was a perfectly legitimate motion to bring um, and trying to make out that somehow the Tories care more about the people in County Durham who are suffering under 10 years of Tory austerity than the Labour Party do it is, is just like, what planet are you on? What planet are you on? I just, I couldn't, I couldn't, oh. But then I've decided that they do these things on purpose to rile us up. They make these outlandish statements and also denigrate the fact that we dare to post on Facebook about the things that we're doing. I know you're just saying this here, so you can post it on Facebook later, he says, yes I do, because actually I value the people who voted for me and I'm communicating with them. What is the problem with that, Councillor Bell? You know? Um but he's doing it on purpose to rile us up because the more we talk, you only get 30 minutes or till the end of the meeting if you if you're lucky to uh, pass your motions so if your time runs out your time runs out and you don't get to pass your motions and we didn't get to one of our motions uh, in the last meeting I think they're doing it on purpose they're riling us up so that we have these back and forth and get passionate about it because we do actually care so that we don't get through our business so that's something that um hopefully we won't do in the future and we'll move on and get things passed and continue being the effective opposition that we are. (laughs) Thank you. <laughs> right, enough all about that. <clears throat> Kerry says the red wall is dead, especially where she is from. Um, and then Neil said the only reason the red wall is dead is because the right wing of the Labour Party have sold off all the bricks on the land they sit on. Well, it's, they've sold it all and then they bought it all back on a PFI deal. I think that's <laughs> the situation, isn't it? Um. Uh, Anthony says, solidarity and empathy for all. Children should be encouraged to be children, not future workers, not a capitalist product. We are human beings, not robots, not products, and not a resource for the enrichment of the system. Oh, that's beautiful. I would get that tattooed on me if I had enough space. <laughs> <laughs> I dare uh, you,
1: know... you. I dare you, Samantha.
4: Do
1: it. <laughs> I'll do it if you do it.
4: Oh, wow. That sounds like a date. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Neil says, who's coming to Manchester uh, to the demo on Sunday? What What is the demonstration on Sunday? Anybody want to enlighten us? It's,
2: uh, it's the Tory party conference. People are going down to protest against it. We kind of really want to go in many ways. And on Monday, there's something big happening. I think Laura isn't there. Is that right?
3: Yeah, the, the People's Assembly are holding a, a rally um, and the Peace and Justice Campaign are, are going to be there as well. And it's like all about media and independent media and things like that. So Socialist think Tank are going to be streaming that. Um, but we do have um, somebody from the People's Assembly on Saturday night show to tell you a bit more about that as well.
4: Hmm. Exciting. Uh, so I may be going um, to the the Tory Party conference. I I've, I might have a space in a car, um. So I'm still working out how I'm gonna get to the car, but I, you know, hopefully that'd be nice. Um, always good to be around real people who who share your values. <laughs> um, great. Anybody else got anything else they want to bring up or mention before we start to wind up?
1: Common ownership. Yes. I just, uh, there's like a tiny little wistful bit of me that thinks maybe he means seizing the means of production. <laughs> uh, I, I suspect I might, be, I might be let down by that fantasy, but I'm just going to hold on to it for a little bit longer. That actually yeah. what he means is, we don't really know what we're talking about when we say nationalisation and the Tories are doing a great job of faking it on the railways. So actually, I'm going to talk about seizing the means of production by calling it common ownership. I suspect I might be proved wrong, though. Mm. But, but I live in hope.
4: <laughs> You've got to live in hope. <laughs> me? Hmm. Anybody?
1: We else? just
2: briefly went offline on Facebook there for some reason. Um, it's because it, someone
1: was seizing the means of production, Paul. Yeah.
2: Could could it be? It was like um, the
1: it
4: was like the Palestine motion. That <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs>
2: Everywhere else is fine. It's just Facebook, so I don't really understand. But never
4: mind. Okay, it's definitely yeah uh, Jeff Jeff Bezos, not the right one. That's a different. One. <laughs> <laughs> They're all pretty much the Zuckerberg. same. Zuckerberg, that one. Ah, yeah. uh, right. Okay. Well, we are gonna wind up because we are all naked. And uh, we're not going to keep you prattling on for hours and hours after the show. It's been lovely talking to you. <coughs> <laughs> but like I don't know what are that was. Okay? <laughs> it's been lovely talking to you all when my mouth muscles work in the right order. Um, remember that we are on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, uh, the, the gamey one twitch twitch (laughs) and that all of the shows are available as a podcast on whatever thing you listen to your podcast on any any of them all of them just search for a socialist think tank there's tons of stuff and it's all really good so uh i just seen that there's going to be some events coming up for autism awareness week when it was that last year
2: i think that was i think that was
4: yeah (laughs) Well, you can catch up on last year's Autism Awareness Week shows as well. They're all on there. <laughs> there
2: Absolutely. are some really, really worth revisiting, to be honest. Like, you look, look back at our back catalog. We keep getting wrong from, like, from people who want us to just do little clips every now and then and just stick with little, because we've got so much content. But we like doing three a week, you know. We're very uh, much content creators. which yeah, spread the word, tell other people to subscribe and stuff. Be yeah. you that's always good
4: and, and don't forget that you can become a member of socialist think tank and it's free and it just gives you slightly more access to the lovely people that you see in front of you and and some other people who do some other cool stuff um so it's yeah it's worth doing because what do you get for free nowadays nothing so it's been lovely seeing you and i'm gonna love you and leave you and you need to go now okay bye
1: <laughs> bye everyone
4: <laughs> The red flag flying here